the optimal life. Why are so many Americans uh, obese and overweight in today's day? Boy, Nate, you're just getting right to it. We're just gonna <laughs> we're gonna get right to the heart of the matter here. Like, um, it's a great question. So, um, it's it, like it's a complex issue. It's a complex problem. There, are, it's multifaceted, and so one of the things that you know we do at Leanest Lifestyle is we don't try to take it from a reductionist viewpoint. We don't have a just, you just need to, we just need to, it's just that this is going on. It's just that that's going on. So we look at it from a very comprehensive position and um, I'm not a fan of uh, bumper sticker approaches, back of the napkin, fortune cookie answers. Uh, you know, for every complex problem, there's an answer that is clear, simple, and wrong. And so, but that doesn't mean that the, the solutions, so to speak, have to be complex to the point where people can't follow it, can't do it, can't integrate uh, the, the solutions into their life. So your question was, what's going on with obesity? Why are we obese? Well, we're, we're currently at about 43% obese in the United States. We were 15% in 1970. And by and large, what's gone on is this massive proliferation of overconsumption of ultra-processed foods. And so we have to ask the question of why. What it, first of all, have there's, has there been an increase in the consumption of ultra-processed foods? And the answer is an unequivocal yes. Absolutely. Then you go, why? Um, is it because you know people just ran out of willpower between 1970 and 2022? No. Is it because our genes have changed greatly in 50 years? No. Is it because we all of a sudden forgot, you know, all the way from biblical times and, be, and, and prior, the notion of moderation in all things? No, we've all heard that. Um, there's a number of things. Did we forget how to do basic math? You know, we forgot how to count calories. We don't know how to do, you know, a caloric deficit. We don't know calories in, calories out. We just forgot that. We can't do basic math anymore. Forgot that in 50 years? No. So why are we consuming more ultra-processed foods? Well, for one, we've got a lot more access, tremendous amount more access compared to 1970. Number of fast food restaurants, number of convenience store, number of 24-7 places to eat. Um, that is rel a relatively new phenomenon to us. We, that didn't used to be the case. You know, in our hunter-gatherer days, we, it wasn't a 24-7 free-for-all. Um, and so we've got... We've got a huge increase in access. We still have biological drive. So we're all still driven as Neanderthals. We're all still driven to calorie dense food substances. So that hasn't changed, but so that doesn't really explain the obesity because that didn't really change between 1970 and now, but it's just, I just say it because we have to be aware that it's there. It's there. And it's something I, I want my clients, I want everyone to at least be aware that this is natural and normal for us to be driven toward the calorie dense because it saved us and helped uh, propagate our species over hundreds of thousands of years. Got it. Then, but again, proliferation of ultra processed foods, displacing real food. Why? Again, back to, back to access, back to 24 seven. Um, again, the whole number of, number of places, the, uh, the availability of it, but also, and this is huge, and under-recognized and under-appreciated. The fact that ultra-processed food is addictive. Ultra-processed ultra food is made 
from the position by, uh, you know, food manufacturers to have a bliss point, to have a perfect amount of not only sugar, salt, and fat, which we've all heard, that's reductionist. We've got to go beyond sugar, salt, and fat. We've got to consider the other industrial additives that have been used to produce the, the food-like substance and or that still exist in the ingredients list of the food-like substance when it's on the shelf that increase sensation in the mouth, mouthfeel, texture, flavor, you name it, so that it gets to that perfect place where we don't just say, well, this is sustenance. I need this to function and live in the world. I need this to survive. It becomes more a huge dopamine hit and something that's reinforced in a, I must eat this again and again and again and again and again and again. And in fact, when I eat it, I'm much less likely to control it. Um, you know, the old, it's the old, whatever a decade it was, whether it was the seventies or whatever, you know, Lay's had the vet, you can't eat just one. <laughs> well, we all remember that. And they were right. I bet they're right. Uh, I, it's a shocking stat that you threw out there before 50 years ago, the country was considered to have 15% people obese today. It's over 40, 45% almost. Yeah. It's like 43. So yep. When you say obese, what exactly is that? What is the definition? So the obesity definition is, is based on body mass index loosely. Okay. That's usually what most uh, health professionals and clinicians are going to, are going to use to define obesity. Um, and that is a, a mathematical equation, a division problem of height and weight. All right. And so it's just, if we know someone's height and we know their weight, we can just do a quick calculation and come up with their body, what's called their body mass index BMI, which a lot of people have heard about. So if you have a BMI of 30 or greater, you're in a class one obese. If your BMI is 35 to 39, then you are class two, 40 and up you're class three. So each class becomes more severe. Each you don't want to be in becomes, class three. You, 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 right. Right. Each, each class, class becomes more severe. severe. And again, another shocking thing, the class that's growing the fastest is class three. Wow. Now, when you say ultra processed foods, what, is, what are like protein bars, for example? What would you consider that? How about it? Can I answer it this way? Let me, let me come at it this way. And I think this might help, you know, your, your listeners and just anybody kind of wrap their head around this. There's a lot of misnomers out there that where we're, somebody will say, um, I don't eat it if it has more than five ingredients. Okay. I turn it around. They spin it around, look at the ingredients. I don't eat it if it has more than five ingredients. That's not me. I could care less if it has 50 ingredients. So bear with me. All right. Um, I don't eat it if I can't pronounce it. I don't know what you can pronounce. I don't know what your vocabulary is. I don't know if, you know, quinoa is an odd thing. You know, that's an odd one to pronounce, but it doesn't mean that just because you can't pronounce it doesn't mean that it's something that, you know, you shouldn't have. So I don't, I don't look at like what's ultra processed. Let's, and I'm going in the direction of what's real food, because once we define real food, then everything else is either processed or ultra processed. So coming at it from that, what's real food and everything else is processed and ultra processed. I don't, again, don't look at it about ingredient number. Don't look at it about whether you can pronounce it. I look at it from this perspective on whether it's real food. It, real food is the unprocessed, natural, edible parts of plants and animals after it's been removed from its normal state without further processing, except that what can be added to it are things commonly found in kitchens. 
So let me come at that again. Or maybe you, if you want to ask me something, you know, Nate, feel free. Otherwise, I'll just come at that again because that's kind of a mouthful. Sure. Okay. So the natural or unprocessed edible parts of plants and animals after they've been removed from nature and the only thing added to it or used in processing are things commonly found in kitchens. So Such as, as an example. Yeah. Okay. So let's just say like a, uh, let's, let's say that we've got a marinara sauce in glass jar, right? And the ingredients are tomatoes, basil, garlic, salt, da, 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 stuff like that, pepper. All right. So by the definition, the natural or edible parts are removed from, you know, blah, blah, blah. And the only thing added to it are things commonly found in kitchens. Is there anything there that I said in that list that would um, exclude that from being a real food. Not based on that definition. Right. Not based on that definition. Um, agreed. And so that would be an example of a packaged food that we would still say is real food. Obviously, the, the things that are, you know, um, you know your, your various vegetables that haven't been you know, processed further than their removal from the ground or from the tree or from the bush or from whatever, um, animals, animal flesh and, you know, chicken and fish and lamb and, you know, you name it, all that kind of stuff. Um, if it hasn't been, if it hasn't had these industrial additives added to it that aren't commonly found in kitchens, we would consider that real food. Everything else is either processed, but most of the other things are actually ultra processed. So let's go to your bar. Cause you asked, what about a protein bar? Mm. Well, I don't look at it on the, on the front part and say, you know, where it says high in protein. I could, I don't care about that front part. I'm going to flip it around. We're going to look at the nutrition facts beyond the nutrition facts. Let's look at the ingredients. Nutrition facts are good. That's great. Let's find out how much protein, carbs, fats, sodium, added sugars. Great. But let's look at the ingredients and see whether it fits real food, ultra processed. 99% of your bars are going to be ultra processed. What are some of the things to look for when you're looking at those ingredients using this example? What are you going to see that makes it ultra processed that's outside of the kitchen, more industrialized? Literally, I, I, I don't even want There are thousands, thousands of additives. You know, it can be as, it can be as, as quote, simple or whatever as, you know, natural flavors, whatever definition the FDA has for that at this time. Um, not commonly found in kitchens. It's it, the easiest way is if it wasn't something that your great grandmother probably had in her kitchen, then it probably makes it ultra processed. What are and some of the, these things I'm hearing? Because I've, I've had these protein cookies that I've become addicted to, as you had talked about. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, you're hundred percent right. It's, it gives you a, a brief dopamine hit. It makes you feel good in the moment. Okay. I'm not starving anymore. But geez, now I want number two later on in the day. And then yeah. I want number, then I want to wake up and have one, you know, yeah. it becomes that kind of thing. So I hear things about like plastics being spun in these, in these foods for lack of, I mean, I don't even know if you call this food. I mean, yeah. is this real food at all? Um, even if so, even if it's processed, is it even considered food or is there just so much crap mixed into this thing to just satisfy an urge. Yeah. Well, again, I, I don't, I'm not one that paints some kind of brush that food corporations, manufacturers are like some, they have some kind of inherent evil or anything. I think that they're a corporation, they're a company and they're very profit motive. They have, are motivated. 
you know, which doesn't make them bad. It just is what it is. Companies need to profit. Got it. Um, through that, however, there's whatever you want to call it, whether it's just turning a blind eye, whether it's profit at the, at the expense of fill in the blank, whatever, it happens. And what happens is, no, I wouldn't call that stuff real food. Um, and it is, it is ultra processed and, and uh, that just is what it is. Um, whether it's, you know, it's something that, it, you know, my point is with the companies, they're profit uh, motivated and they're going to produce the substance that is the most likely to get us to repeat buy. At the expense of uh, the, our own individual health, right? What, yes, what at about the expense these foods? of, what about the expense these of anything. Well, yeah. I mean, what about these foods, David? Make it um, something that you would say, don't put this in your body. What is it? What are the, some of the, the complications that we may experience by putting too many of these chemicals in our body? It's a great question again. So more and more research is coming out. Um, peer-reviewed research has, has been coming out in the last decade or so on the actual processing itself separately of food that impacts mental health. So, so often feeling blue, feeling depressed, feeling anxious, feeling, I mean, you can start filling in the blank with the, uh, uh, the psychological issues that people are experiencing every single day um, from just everything I said and so much more. You've had guests on your show that have talked about a lot of these things. The food we eat can impact those things greatly. And people are so unaware that what they're putting in their body can impact mental health. It can impact Alzheimer's. It can impact, it just goes, uh, all kinds of cognitive decline. Uh, the, the current mental state, what about Energy. cancer? What about cancer, David? Absolutely. So once we go beyond mental, then we start to look at non-communicable diseases. So things that you can't pass on to somebody by being close, breathing on them, coughing on them, whatever, non-communicable diseases or having sex with them or whatever, uh, things that are cardiovascular disease, cancer, diabetes, um, arthritic uh, uh, aspects, um, autoimmune diseases are impacted by uh ultra processed food intake, or we could say the converse, they are reduced by the higher consumption of real food. So is it fair to say then to make the correlation and the connection? Cause you talked about it earlier. We have more access today yes. than we did 40, 50 years ago. And that is one of the prime drivers to why we're almost at half the country being considered obese. Yes. But would it also be safe to say that we probably see the most mental health decline today? And a lot of it's driven because of technology. A lot of it's been driven because of access to social media, the envy, the FOMO, the, the comparison and feeling helpless. So there's a, it, it kind of plays on each other. Cause I was going to ask you about the mental health aspect piece of it. And I assume a, a lot of your clients that come to you, they're not probably in the best mental states either. You're typically finding someone that wants to lose 50 to hundred pounds. There's something more to it than just the physical aspect. So is it safe to say that that the mental health decline, it's like the chicken and the egg, you know, mm -hmm. the mental health decline is absolutely exacerbating uh, uh, our country and in causing the increase in obesity? Yeah, it's <clears throat> you've got a chicken and egg aspect here, but it's also just circular too, right? So which is more impactful on the mental health? Is it the societal changes with regard to technology and a phone and 
social media and blah, 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 24 seven news and all, all the things that are different now than when I grew up uh, in the seventies. Um, is it that, or is it the, the ultra processed food or is it on and on? It's all of it. It isn't one thing. And what I wouldn't do is I try to avoid it at all costs is bring it down to, we know for sure, this is me not saying this. We know for sure it's the technology side driving uh, the overeating, or is it the addictive side of ultra processed food, driving the overeating, driving the mental health disorders, driving plus all of the technology issues. It's everything. And so and don't forget, David, from, not too long ago, you had to actually get your ass off the couch and go to the store to get your food. Oh my gosh. Now, you, you, now you want those, those uh, protein bars. You want those fake things showing up at your, within the same day. Yeah. Prime delivery. <laughs> Prime, get you know, absolutely. Now things have changed so much in that regard. From my view, I take the um, the digital and technological things into consideration for my clients. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to focus hard and get my clients to focus hard on what they can control. And because of what I do for a living, there is definitely going to be more of an emphasis. Not that, that we don't want to come at it from a whole lifestyle approach. We do. But I want to make sure that we're doing all we can on the nutritional side. You know, we have a nutritional side, an active side, and an emotional fitness side that we address at Leanest Lifestyle. But when it comes to the nutritional side, the nutritional side impacts the emotional side. You know, it impacts the cognitive mental health side um, greatly. And so if I can get a client to move in the direction imperfectly, but move in the direction of eating more real food as a percentage of their total intake, we're moving in the right direction. And, uh, you know, I, I caution my clients all the time, if they're going to go see a therapist, if they're going to go see a psychologist, um, psychiatrist, you name it, I would say, make sure you're doing, let's make sure you're doing all you can dietarily. Otherwise you're handicapping the person you're going to see you know, doc, I just can't figure out why I'm so blue all the time. Doc, I just can't figure out why I'm so moody all the time. Doc, I just can't figure out. And they go, you know, let's just say, let's way oversimplify it. And they get asked, well, what's going on in your life? I got a great spouse. My kids are good. Income's okay. Food, shelter, clothing is good. Generally life is pretty, you know, it's good. I mean, I would describe it as pretty good, but I'm just down. Why am I down? Well, it can be all the factors, you know, that, you know, you were saying it is partly, but it could also be, it could also just be the amount and type of ultra processed foods they're bringing in that are impacting their mental health. And it just seems really confusing and it doesn't make sense until you clean things up and you really look at it from that, in, that way, that perspective. And then when you have like, I always say it's like the Eeyore, you know, remember Eeyore, Winnie the Pooh, right. oh, is a black cloud hanging over my head, you know, and you go, why is there a black cloud hanging over my head? And then when you, you shift to more real food and those clouds part and you go, there was a blue sky up there that I just never saw. So dig into that. What are some of the things you're seeing? You're, you see these people in real time, they come to you, they're foggy, they're depressed, and then you made the comment that this natural food, the nutrition, the most important piece, will you'll ultimately start seeing improvements in mental health. How so? What are some of the examples? Well, what happens is if I always say that if you have depression 
and it is unaddressed, we're at a severe handicap because rational is going to be really hard because things to things seem too overwhelming. There's too much despair. There's too much. I don't have the energy. I don't have the mental energy to move my body to, to make the better decisions, to feel like I deserve it, to feel like life is worth doing this effort. And so when we clear that up and they start to go just from that alone, when they go, oh my gosh, I just feel better. I feel unexplainably like I have some hope, you know, and then it progresses from there. But starting off, it doesn't necessarily just go from, I was feeling blue all the time to yippee skippy life is always great. I don't know if anybody lives that way. Yippee skippy life is sure. always great. But when if they, they move do, in that they're not living in, in reality. <laughs> I, exactly. Neither here nor there. Right. And so I'm like, if we're moving in that direction, then they can have more emotional space to, to direct limited resources like energy and self-regulation mm-hmm. to making better choices when it comes to nu- nutrition. And then it kind of starts to be like a snowball rolling down a hill. We start to, it starts to get bigger and bigger and gains momentum. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's almost like they're coming to you and they're saying, I just feel like the chains have been removed or I'm not carrying the 20 pound back uh, backpack on my, on my chest or on my back anymore. It's yes. probably just a, an in, intrinsic feeling. It sounds like, which then it, leads to a more disciplined approach, more disciplined lifestyle, the domino effect. And then one discipline step leads to another leads to getting up early, working out, maybe drinking water, more water, eating cleaner, just it, right. It just kind of goes on and on. It, it absolutely one thing, you know, uh, affects another. And since I, I had mentioned, you know, depression and we're really handicapped if it's unaddressed, uh, if it's unaddressed, people, right. uh, someone can come and be and have some level of depression, but if it's being managed, if it is, whether it's through a combination of obviously nutrition, medication, psychotherapy, you name it, whatever it takes for the person, each person is an individual. If it's being managed, then they're going to stand, you know, a a much better chance in that area. And nutrition just plays such an important role on the mental health side of things. We just, it's just truly undervalued. One thing that I noticed that you preach in in your content and in uh, uh, at your company is eating less and exercising more is not necessarily the solution. Explain that a little bit. You know, when it comes to obesity, losing excess fat, a caloric deficit for sure, 100% unequivocally is required. It is. And so when I say eat less, exercise more, quote unquote, doesn't work, the messaging of eat less, exercise more doesn't work. What people have been told, I can, I, I can grab a bullhorn, Nate, get on the tallest building in your city, scream through the bullhorn for anybody that can hear me below and say, eat less and exercise more. And precisely zero people will change. <laughs> because they, they from, a, from that, let's call it the, I know what to do. I just need to do it perspective. A lot of people are like, I know what to do. I know what to do. I just need to do it. What they mean when they say that is they think they know nutrition. They think they know at least some activity, exercise, whatever. And they have at least some idea that that caloric deficit or caloric balance is very important 
you know, when it comes to losing fat, they know they have to take in less calories overall than uh, they expend to lose excess fat. They know that they may have some really wild ideas on what nutrition is and what exercise is and how it all relates, but they know that. So the messaging, you know, just tell, tell your audience, Nate, eat less and exercise more. I mean, heck we can hang this call up and everybody ought to be fixed. It's not, it doesn't work. We've been saying that for eons. And what do you we've see, gone David? For- Sorry to interrupt you. What do you see when people do uh, there? Are, there's a lot of material out there yeah. eat less, to your point. And then what are you seeing people? They maybe take off some weight for a period of time, but then it comes back to twofold, threefold. What, what, what are some of the risks? Yeah, it, it, it can, or they just never really get traction to begin with. Um, some people are going to lose weight for a while and most people are going to regain it. Not all. Um, and it's fine. Again, it's not the equation that's wrong as far as people losing it and keeping it off. And keeping it off is, a, is an equation as well, you know, taking in the same amount of calories as you're expending. There's maintenance there. Now we've solved that. Not so much. It's about how do we actually do it? Here we are in this incredibly obesogenic environment where, you know, beyond just access, we've got addiction. And so now we've turned consumers into users. And it doesn't mean that a person isn't responsible once they say, hear me or hear this type of messaging where it's like, wait a minute, what's going on here? You're saying that some ultra processed foods are addictive. Yes. Unequivocally. Yes. I've never heard that before. Okay. You're forgiven. Not that you aren't forgiven period, but it's not about judgment, but you're forgiven. You didn't know you were ignorant. So if you start to learn more about it, if you start to understand it, once you have the knowledge, I don't absolve people of saying it's not never your responsibility. You don't, it's all society. It's all McDonald's. It's all, no, it's there. It's prevalent. It is displacing real food. But once we educate our clients about what's really going on, then it becomes, in my opinion, their responsibility and their choice. It's their choice. Always. It's no one's direct dictating what they have to do. I'm not anyone's warden. I'm not anyone's boss here. They have full agency, obviously. They make their choices. It's their life. But at the point where they understand and when the education has reached the level where they go, wow, I was not aware that ultra-processed food caused mental, uh, mental state issues, uh, hormonal issues, immune issues, inflammation issues, uh, non-communicable disease issues, addiction issues, confounding variables, um, screws up metabolic uh, function in the body, uh, screws up... Um, uh, nutrient partitioning, um, gut on health. and on gut health, yeah. right? Yeah. Health, all of that. I didn't know that. And especially let's just say the addiction part. Now that I know, how are we going to come at it? If we come at it from eat less and exercise more, Nate, you're a self-admitted, let's say ultra processed food addict. Let's just say you get to that point where you're, you're at acceptance that you have some level of ultra processed food addiction. Let's just say you do. And you're wanting, you've been wanting to get off 30, 50, 70, 80, 150 pounds, whatever it is. And it's been five years and you really haven't, you lost some weight at one point, but you gained it back or you never really got traction to begin with. Well, once you understand what's really going on, we help our clients. First of all, we meet them where they are and we help them just start progressing toward the real solutions 
that address what's really going on and not just continue to throw out them, throw at them the messaging of eat less and exercise more, because that's just not going to do it. And if it does, it's an extremely short-term, short-sighted approach. Right. It's not a sustainable model. That's not. And it doesn't tell people that's great. That's great, Dave. How? Correct. Um, curious, because you look like, obviously, you're in great shape. Take care of yourself. This is your, your life, your lifestyle, leanest, leanest lifestyle university. But uh, everyone needs something different. Everyone needs their own uh, plan and approach and nutrition. But talk to us a little bit about what you do, Dave. What's your, what's your plan? What's your diet? What are the things that you find important and things that you try to stay away from? Oh, yeah, that's awesome. So, you know, there's a framework of nutrition. And I... Uh, work very hard to lead by example. So I don't give my clients a plan and then follow something else. Um, if, and once, you know, obviously if from time to time, my clients ask me, Dave, tell me exactly what you do. I want to do what you do. And I'll say it's here. It's in the nutrition framework, the fundamentals. So as a part of that fundamental, number one is I try and I actually do it but I try to get my clients to, this is what I do, get to the point where you're at least 90% real food. So that's kind of number one. That's the base, 90% or higher real food. And what um, would you do for a snack? When you're looking at real food type snacks in between meals, what do you typically go to? I mean, it, uh, for me, like I can, I, for me, like uh, a snack that I'll have, in a day, first of all, a snack can be, you know, just as simple as, you know, chicken thigh and baby carrots. That mm-hmm. can be a snack, you know, just some kind of small, you know, whatever that's real. You know, that can be real. That can be real food. Uh, for me, um, I, I use um, a single ingredient, whey protein ingredients, whey protein, isolate unflavored with some cocoa. Okay. Ingredients to kale, you know, with, uh, leaf, leafy greens with some banana, maybe, or, or other real fruit. You know, you see where I'm going with this, Yeah. you know, um, where you get it. Exactly really, where I really, thought you would go with it. Yeah. Get it really, really <laughs> close to real food, you know, mm-hmm. blend it. I then I'm a weirdo because I grew up eating, uh, rice. Um, what I mean is no, every, lots of people ate rice, but I used to eat rice as a cereal, you know, uh, and it used to, now it used to be, you know, made, it was white rice on the stove with, you know, a half a stick of butter and milk and then a half a cup of sugar or whatever the heck we put in yeah, it. You Uncle know, that, Ben's, man. That's right. And, you know, and, it, <laughs> and uh, so because of that, I still have that kid in me and I will actually take this concoction I'm describing here and I will pour it over just real plain brown rice, a certain amount. Uh, and I'm in maintenance. You know, I'm, I'm not a loss. The only difference there is my clients can do the same thing as that. It's that it's just that uh, we would want them to at least pay a little bit more attention to the amount of starchy carb and the total calories and that kind of thing. Yeah. But, but what they're eating doesn't need to be different. So that, that's just an example of, you know, of a snack. I make sure that I'm going to get in at least three cups of vegetables a day. Mm, okay. um, so fun, fundamental one, 90% real food. Uh, yeah. You gave us a little example of your snacks. What's, what's fundamental too? Well, I'm just, you know, as far as the basics go, I'm going to make sure I get in at least 64 ounces of water. Um, as far as uh, I don't drink my calories, um, I, there's no calorie other than that 
shake, so to speak, where I, where I drink my calories, everything is I'm going to chew. Um, you have a certain number of uh, protein, uh, grams of protein you try to put in daily. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to shoot for, for me, I'm about 185 pounds on 510. So I'm shooting for that 175 to 200 grams of protein so a day. Somewhere around your body weight. Okay. Yeah. Now we got to be careful with that because there's clients out there that weigh 400 pounds. Right. You of know, course. and we don't, so as far as protein goes, I'm more like, you can do it a couple, let's do it. You can do it a couple different ways. If you know your lean body mass, cause you know your body fat, you can do it a gram per pound of lean body mass. Mm-hmm. You can a little harder to calculate for some, cause they're like, how do I get a body fat? You know, I haven't had a body fat done. Okay. Another way to do it is what is your weight? If your body mass index was 25, which is the cutoff for healthy. So you can just Google that, you know, find my BMI or whatever, and then find out based on your height, you just look and say, what would I weigh if my body or if my body mass index was 25? And let's just say that it said you, you would weigh 175. That many grams of protein is a good amount. Ah, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Find your weight at, at a BMI. See, because that, what that does is, Nate, is that accounts for the person who's morbidly obese right now. We don't need them 300, 350, 400 grams of protein today. So we can either go lean body mass or we can just kind of figure out what would you weigh at 25 BMI? That many grams of protein um, works, works well. Got it. Okay. Yep. So you got the, the food, the water, anything else that's part of your daily routine? Yeah, there's, um, I mean, there's 15 things, you know, all in, but as far as, you know, just kind of, you know, you know, kind of quick summaries here without trying to, you know, go through them all. Um, yeah. I make sure that I get in uh, some level of the essential fats every day from fish and, and primarily uh, from fish or, or fish oil. Fish um, or fish oil. Okay. Yep. Um, what about eggs? Eggs. Yeah. Eggs are, I mean, eggs are fine. Eggs would fall into kind of the number one there, which is, you know, real food, real food. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't look at eggs so much as uh, being, you know, primary source of the, uh, the really needed omega-3 alpha linoleic acid. You know, we get, um, not that eggs aren't, aren't healthy. I have eggs, you know, literally every day. So, um, but some, uh, I keep fruit at a couple of servings a day, but I incorporate fruit in. There's literally nothing that is excluded. I'm not a, this is not, I'm not keto, straight keto. I'm not vegan. I'm not whatever. If clients are, the plan can, can adopt to what they're looking to do. Sure. That doesn't mean that I promote it, but it, it can bend and flex. Yeah, uh, that's uh, interesting stuff. Fantastic stuff. One thing I did want to mention before we finish up and, and talk about your, your uh, website, company, et cetera. Um, all these artificial foods, these fake foods, these ultra processed foods have a really detrimental effect from what I've seen in all my research and listening to people have a real detrimental effect on male testosterone. Yes. Right. And that's yes. something that we didn't talk about. What's your, what, what's your take on that? Yeah. It's um, more and more research is coming out that ultra processed food is having a significant impact on testosterone. It's having a significant impact on sperm motility, sperm number, um, all of those factors that the reproductive ability um, of men. And I want to say it this way, because some, some places, and it drives me nuts, will come at it and say, 
this is for sure. There's no equivocation to it. It is what it is, and this is the cause. We're definitely seeing it as far as, you know, male reprodu uh, reproductive uh, abilities and all that kind of thing, testosterone, all, that, all the things that I mentioned and more. There's getting to be more and more and more research to say, again, that the ultra-processed food and the processing itself is having a significant impact on this. Um, and that evidence is getting stronger and stronger. Ultra processed foods are wreaking havoc on our society, folks. It's that simple. It's mm -hmm. just, it is that simple. Lena's Lifestyle University. Uh, talk about your website where people could find more about you, work with you, maybe some social media links. You bet. I think the easiest thing, you know, be it, when I created this 23 years ago, uh, I didn't know that I was going to hang on to the name forever, Lean This Lifestyle. And it's a bit of a mouthful, two N's, two S's, you know, get it right. <laughs> so what I did for the website is I just made it LL University. Um, and so LLUniversity.com would be the place to go. And to not co uh, complicate things, all the links are at the bottom of that page to all our social. We're everywhere, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, you know, YouTube. Um, so all the links are there. So if you, someone just goes to LLUniversity.com, they'll, they'll get it. Uh, fantastic. And we'll make sure we link that up in the show notes, lluniversity.com. Click the link, guys, if you want to learn more about David and his company. Hey, uh, fantastic stuff. Really uh, inspirational as well. Continued success to you. Thank you very much for coming on. Thanks for having me, Nate. It's been a pleasure to be here.